Amen. While you're still standing, if you'll turn to Zephaniah chapter 3, we'll be looking just at verses 11 through 13 this morning. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Would you hear the word of the Lord? Indeed, this good news from Zephaniah. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly, They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. This is God's word for us this morning. You may be seated. Lord, would you bless and add your understanding to the reading and now preaching of your holy word. May we see Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen. There are countless human institutions that once existed that no longer exist. That if you tried to find them, you couldn't find them. You could find them on the internet, a record of them. Just to name a few, the Roman Empire, the Aztec Empire, Uh, the German First Reich, or smaller examples, Pan Am Airlines, Uh, Borders Books, when was the last time you walked into a Borders Books, or a blockbuster movie, does not exist, sadly, Um, Circuit City, I was surprised by that one, AskJeeves.com, that used to be very prominent, or even closer to home in my heart, the good bean right down the road, <laughs> uh, which is now a, a pony espresso, which is also great, but uh, good bean uh, no longer exists down the road. It does in Jacksonville. Um, or think of your own life uh, on a more personal level, uh, groups that you've been a part of that fell apart, maybe, maybe even churches, even individual local churches, or uh, relationships that were once tightly knit and close and have broken apart in the course of this life. Well, the church, not just one local church, but the church, God's people, the church with a capital C, true believers, uh, the visible church throughout the world, uh, has existed and will exist until the end of time. I remember my old pastor used to always say, and 30 years into ministry, he said, I know, I am convinced that the church is not a human institution because otherwise it would not exist anymore. But here it is, with all of its foibles and and sins and things that God is working in. The church does exist and will exist until the end of time. Uh, One author of the last name of Kuiper puts it this way, In outward appearance, the church of Christ is far less glorious than our most dominions of the world. Nevertheless, in all essential respects, the church is incomparably more glorious One of those respects is in the matter of its durability. Earthly kingdoms come and go. Some of the greatest and mightiest world empires vanished very quickly after their founding. But the church continues from age to age and will outlast the ages. The Christian church is indestructible. 
As we come to this section in Zephaniah, uh, it, it, it feels like a breath of fresh air, does it not? We've been spending time emphasizing, as Zephaniah does, the judgments that are about to come upon God's people in Jerusalem and, and the judgments that will fall upon all those who reject him one day. And, and I pray that along the way, we always preach the gospel, and we see it in every passage of Scripture, uh, but you might notice a shift in tone here in chapter 3, and we, we get to see what we saw already before. We're going to see very explicitly uh, the gospel according to Zephaniah. Uh, the word the gospel just meaning the good news. When, if you ask Zephaniah, what is the good news? What is the gospel, Zephaniah? Uh, he begins to tell us, even though he's already been telling us, but he begins to tell us in earnest. And it, in one sense, if I could just summarize this section, it's that God's people will experience God's grace in every age. God's people will experience God's grace in every age. We're going to see that he's telling the people, even then, who are about to experience exile, that if they look ahead to Christ, if they put their faith in him, they could experience God's grace, even then. And if they experienced it then, how much more now that Christ has come for us? And so let's look at these three aspects of this grace that they experienced, that they could experience, that later uh, Jews would experience, and that we now experience in Christ. And we'll even look ahead to the fullness of what we'll experience one day. Well, God's people in every age will experience, number one, a no more shame. No more shame. Look again at verse 11, just the beginning part of it. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. The deeds by which you have rebelled against me. We, we begin to see the gospel, the good news in earnest in Zephaniah. Now, we've already seen it, uh, at least in seed form. We've seen the good news scattered throughout the bad news uh, throughout Zephaniah. And, and this really becomes that sixth uh, tip that's on your, on your bulletin. When you're reading a prophetic book, uh, you need to find the gospel. And uh, the word's chosen carefully, not you need to insert the gospel where it's not there or uh, manufacture the gospel. No, it's, it's there because what did Jesus say? It, Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, all of it's about him. And so we're going to see the gospel, the good news, especially in the Old Testament prophets, looked forward to, but also the grace that the believers then would receive. And so we've already seen in Zephaniah, by way of sort of summary of the book, um, even in some of the bad news, you, you hear the good news for God's people, right? Like Zephaniah 1.4, I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal, uh, this uh, false god. I will, I will cut off any remnant of this false god and his people. Now, that's bad news if you love Baal and you hate Yahweh. But if you're a believer in Yahweh, you, you start to see the good news. Oh, God is purifying his people. Uh, god is driving out those who would reject him. Or a second, we have this idea of the remnant, which we'll emphasize today as well. Uh, Zephaniah 2, 6 through 7, the, the seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah. Do you hear the promise that there's judgment on the seacoast, but, but there will be a people. There will be a people of Judah, and, and, and they will come one day to possess uh, the land of their enemies. There, there's a remnant. There will always be a people. You see the good news there. Even in the judgment passages like Zephaniah 2.8, I have heard the taunts of Moab. Uh, people of God, I have heard the taunts against you, and I will make it right one day. There's a promise of judgment and justice. 
And then we looked in the last few weeks that even, even these hard passages where we were called to look at our own hearts and seek the Lord's correcting work in our lives, even this is grace and good news for the people of God. As God seeks in Zephaniah 3.7 that we would fear him and accept correction. And then we saw even the gathering of the nations, Zephaniah 3.9. At that time, I will change the speech of the nations. I will gather in even these enemies who will come to know Christ. So the good news has been throughout, but it's just dripping off the page. Just here again, on that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. Think of that. You, you're, you've been listening to Zephaniah. You've been listening to this prophecy, and he's been laying out the sins of those around Judah, but then he's turned it like a, a masterful speaker. He's turned it on you and said, you need to look at your own heart and see the sin there that needs repented of. In some ways, he's been laying on the bad news more uh, intensely. And, and, and so hear the weight of that. You will not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. He's just been laying out the deeds by which they have rebelled against him. They have not been listening. They have not been turning to the Lord. They as a whole people have been turning to Baal and other false gods. And so this is not a light promise that for those who believe in Yahweh, who look forward to the day of Christ, they can find forgiveness even for the deeds by which they have rebelled against the Lord. And so they could experience this idea of shame being taken away, um, of shame being taken away. And not only could they experience it, but we can experience it. Let me just trace for you very quickly. We've talked about this idea um, that for, for the people of God hearing this message, there was a sense in which some of what they were hearing was like for them right now. Some of it was about to happen. Some of it was going to happen very far in the future. And some of it is future for them and us, like the day of the Lord, the end of time. And often the prophet is writing in such a way where it's almost hard to say, well, is he talking about what's about to happen or what's going to happen in a thousand years? Or where is this on the timeline? We have hindsight now. Um, and what's amazing and why I say the gospel according to Zephaniah is no matter where you are on that progression... Anyone who has faith in Yahweh, salvation is always by faith alone in Christ alone, can experience his grace, even those about to face exile. So put yourself in their shoes. Judgment's about to come on Jerusalem. They're about to go into exile. You might say, where's the good news? Um, where's the good news for them? Uh, but, but God is saying to them, my people, even as you experience these outward judgments, if you would trust in me, then your sins can be washed away. And, and indeed, even as they would go into exile, you have passages like Ezekiel eleven sixteen, where God says, though I have removed them far off among the nations and though I scatter them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Do you hear what God's saying? They're away from the temple. They're away from the sacrifices. They're away from all the ways that God in, in his wisdom set up for his people. They're in exile under foreign kings who hate the Lord. And, and God says, even there, I'm a sanctuary to them. I am with my people. So that we get to Zephaniah 3.15 next week, Lord willing, and it says, the king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall, you shall never again fear 
evil, if it was true for them who were about to experience judgment, about to go into exile, if those were promises they could claim, how much more so can we claim it? You have the exile, you have them returning to the land, and there was some joy in that, and yet it wasn't what it was. The temple wasn't what it was. They didn't have a king like they used to have. There was no king on the throne of David. And yet God, even there, promises life if they would but trust in the Lord, if they would look forward to the day when the true son of David would come. And then you have, which is past for us, bleeding into the present, Christ, his coming, his establishing of the New Testament church. And you have, the, you have a fullness. Uh, we've talked about this idea that these Old Testament prophecies, one way you could say they have multiple fulfillments. Another way that one author says is that it's like a cup that is just filling up more and more as time goes on. And, it's, and it's, some things are spilling over by the time Christ comes, right? Like he dies on the cross for his people. That, that, that's spilling over. That the ages have waited for the moment when Christ would die for his people. Uh, certain other things are right near the brim. Uh, we're going to look in a moment that um, we have freedom from our sin, but one day sin won't even be present with God's people. We won't be tempted at all. And so the cup's full to the brim, but one day it's going to spill over. And when Christ comes, I mean, listen to his words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Like that Old Testament uh, word, shalom. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You, you see an immediacy. Christ is here. Or remember when he gets up and preaches from Isaiah and says, this is being fulfilled in your midst. Uh, the cup is overflowing. No other rabbi would say that, or they shouldn't, uh, but Christ comes and says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's here. That's where we live as believers. Um, we live in, it's been called the fullness of time. At just the right time, Christ came. Uh, there are still things that we're looking forward to, his second coming. We're looking forward to a death being done away with for good. And yet the saints here listening to Zephaniah 3 would, would long for the day, even that we're in, even just where we're in. They would long for it with much joy, with much joy. And so that there, even though there's a, a, there's a blessed hope that we have that drives us forward, there's a glorious reality of what we can experience now in Christ. Forgiveness, salvation, abundant life, grace, his presence, his strength, his wisdom. We could experience this now. So that this promise of you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds with which you have rebelled against me, you can take hold of that now people of God, if you would only put your trust in Jesus Christ. Number two, God's people will experience in every age no more pride. No more pride. Listen to his words in that tail end of uh, verse 11. For I will then remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in the holy mountain, but I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly, they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall not do injustice. They shall speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. Now, do you see this promise? What, what's happening here? He's, it's this great reversal of the sins that he's already been sharing. Like uh, chapter 2, verse 15. 
Uh, This is the exultant city that lives securely, that said in her heart, I am and there is no one else. Or chapter 3, verse 1, woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. But then in chapter 2, verse 3, he had said, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. And now we see in verse 12, I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. Here we have the the good news as expressed in this idea of the remnant. Uh, You'll start to see this throughout all of the Old Testament. You'll see it in the New Testament as well. Um, The the church, uh, as we said at the beginning, is indestructible in the sense that there will always be the true church on this earth. Uh, But the church goes through different seasons where it is more or less corrupted by different practices or beliefs, where it's more or less scattered, where it's more or less persecuted. In our sort of global world, many of those seasons of the church are happening at the same time, just depending on where you live. And yet there will always be a church. There will, this is that remnant idea. But lest that leads us to say, to pride, to say we're part of the church and, and we're better than the world around us. No, it's a humble people. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I've never thought of the irony of that phrase, blessed are the meek, uh, for theirs is the earth. They shall inherit all things, uh, but they're meek and humble and lowly as Christ was himself. Uh, so here you have, I will leave in their midst a people humble and lowly, or you could say a people who have been humbled and made lowly, right? Uh, humility is not a virtue that we tend to just sit down and, and muster, I'm going to be more humble. In fact, if you pray, God, make me more humble, you're going to have an interesting week. Um, Because we tend to be humbled, right? Uh, That's when we learn humility, when when we see our pride and sin on display and it disgusts us. And we say, wait a minute, that's not who I am in Christ. Or when we come to faith for the first time, we're humbled in, in the most dramatic way, where we say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. And that's what the people of God, the good news of Zephaniah here is, is even, even the people hearing this, judgment is coming. Those who had faith looking forward to Christ in his day would be humbled. God would be purifying his people, even then. He would be purifying his people in exile. He would be purifying them as they return to the land and they weep over the, uh, the temple and, and there's no king. And then Christ would come as he has come. And for us, uh, this promise continues of a remnant. The the promise continues that he is perfecting his people. Uh, We could be so discouraged as we look out at the state of the church, maybe even just in America, and and think, how long, O Lord? And yet he is always purifying his people. The gates of hell will not prevail against her. Or the dynamic of like Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering... Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Uh, Do you hear the both and language? They have been set apart. They have uh, been made holy by Christ. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's your identity, and yet he is perfecting them. Ongoing process, humbling them, humbling them, humbling them. Until one day he'll present us as a bride without blemish. A friend, if you've come today and... 
and this Christ of whom we're speaking isn't your Savior, I, I do have to tell you that these promises aren't for you yet. Uh, they would be for you if you would put your faith in Jesus Christ. If, like the people then so many thousand years ago, or like uh, those sitting around you who have looked to Christ, who have been humbled, who have said, that's my Savior who died on the cross for me, I will gladly be humbled and bow before him and receive forgiveness from him. Then all of these promises are for you, that he's doing away with shame, he's doing away with your pride. And one day... He will do away with sin altogether, as we say, including pride. Uh, as we say, we, in, in, right now, we are, uh, as believers, we are 100% uh, freed from the, from the guilt, the payment that was due against us for sin. Christ took that upon himself. Although, of course, we, we wrestle with living into that, and we, and we could feel that sense of shame. Um, the power of sin has been done away with. Not that we're not tempted, but we're no longer slaves to sin. And one day, even the presence of sin will be done away with. There will be no more temptation. Uh, there will be no more need, like we said at the beginning, to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Okay, soul, it's time to bless him. No, uh, we will worship him with heart, soul, mind, and strength and the power of the Spirit. And so we, we look forward to that day. And number three, then, if he's doing away with shame and pride, uh, God's people will experience in every age no more fear. Uh, no more fear. Look at the promise there at the very uh, end of our section. For they will graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. This is echoed throughout the prophets. Um, like Micah 4.4, 4, they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. Or they will, uh, these enemies' lands will be deserted. They will be for flocks which will lie down, and none will make them afraid. Or Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's people in every age can experience this, uh, what it means to have no fear, even when surrounded by enemies, uh, even as Jerusalem falls. Uh, you know, read the book of Lamentations, which is this brutal recounting of what's going to come upon Jerusalem from a firsthand uh, eyewitness, and, yet, and it's brutal, but right in the middle of it, uh, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. If Jeremiah could experience that even after seeing Jerusalem fall, if God's people can have this promise here, even in exile, even in the return, how much more when Christ the King has come, uh, when Christ has been set up as, as the, the Lord, the Master, the King of his church, uh, who has said the gates of hell will not prevail against her, how much more could we experience not, not the end of danger or toil. No, we're actually promised those things too because Christ experienced them, but an end of fear, an enslavement of fear. Uh, we can sing as we do from Luther's great hymn, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. A one little word shall fell him. 
And so there's a not yet sense of this. There's, there's one day where literally the words of Zephaniah uh, 3.13, that we will literally lie down and graze and we will be with our shepherd and there will be no more enemies, there will be no more sin, uh, there will literally be no more fear, uh, no more fear to overcome, as it were, of a perfect safety and health with Christ. And yet there's a, a glorious now to this promise of no more fear, even in death, even in loss, even in tears, even in persecution. Christ says, have, have no fear of them. For I am with you always to the very end of the age, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Kuiper, again, in his work, The Glorious Body of Christ, he, he speaks of this friendship that we have with Christ. And I think he sums up well what we've been saying, this good news, good news in Zephaniah. He writes this, When earthly friends and kindred forsake him, he knows that the Lord will take him up. When indwelling sin perturbs him, his faith looks up to the Lamb of Calvary. When Satan assails him, he calmly affirms, The prince of darkness grim, I tremble not for him. When the world leads him as a sheep to the slaughter, he glories. Nay, in all these things I am more than conqueror through him that loved me. And when at last he stands on the brink of the dread river of death, which he must needs pass over, his divine friend, Christ, takes him by the hand. And Christ whispers, fear now no evil, for I am with thee. Presently he is crossed. Now he enters the house of the Lord, where he beholds his friend face to face, and that is his dwelling forever. You see, friends, this is the gospel, which we see in all the scriptures. But Zephaniah here lays it out for us in these three short verses. Next week, we'll dive into the rest of this wonderful chapter. I encourage you to read it between now and next week. It's so rich and full of what does it look like to respond to this good news of, of Jesus Christ that we see. But would you take hold of these promises this morning? Because they're yours if you belong to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it brings us comfort that it leads us to salvation in Jesus Christ. It leads us to all the blessings that we have in him. And so I pray anyone who belongs to you, uh, that they would truly take hold of these promises uh, and not think that they're for other Christians, but not them, uh, but that they were blood-bought uh, for them. Uh, so would they receive them. I pray this in Jesus' name.